Hi people, a big warm welcome to People My Dog Would Like, a podcast where I get to speak with interesting people about their game-changing ideas, fresh initiatives and out-of-the-box movements with an eye on the future. My guest today is Steve Sammartino. Steve is one of Australia's most respected futurists and business technologists who drives important conversations around embracing our future and the endless possibilities it holds for all of us. Steve has spoken to well over 100,000 people around the world in the past two years, uniquely combining anthropology and technology. Steve will leave you excited about what the future holds. His new book, The Lessons School Forgot, is a survival manifesto for an era of artificial intelligence. Steve wrote his first lines of computer code at age 10. He built and sold his own tech startups. He's author of another best-selling book, The Great Fragmentation. He advises Fortune 500 companies on tech strategy. He's a tech reporter on ABC Radio National, consults for federal and state governments on building future-proof infrastructure, and he's also gone viral. His Lego car is one of the greatest tech hacker projects of all time. I love the incredible energy Steve has, sharing how individuals can and should start future-proofing themselves. And it's very doable. So I'm chuffed to have him here today. Welcome to People My Dog Would Like, Steve. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, you're a man of many talents. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, wow. Um, I grew up on a farm in the outer area of Melbourne uh, with a whole lot of Italian immigrants. Beautiful. And uh, my dad was, it was interesting. He, the lessons that he taught me when I was young, I was too silly to realise how important they were. And the older I get the wiser he seems. Yeah. And so he, he would tell me to, to look at nature, to look at patterns. Um, he would teach me things that you can see in life, but only when you pay attention. Yeah, so being present Yeah, as well. being present, yeah, and, and the lessons of nature. Because yeah. business and nature, they're kind of inextricably linked to each other. Mm. We think that we sit in this layer above nature or the real world or the environment but we really don't and all of the patterns in life and in business they're already replicated and told in nature you know the seasons of life and sowing more seeds than you know than plants that you want and that you know the the birds will always get some of those seeds so you're not gonna all that kind of thinking yeah all of that right yeah and so um i kind of really got shaped a lot um when i was young by my parents and, you know, I did some formal education, but it seems as though the older I get, the informal education uh, is where the really important stuff comes from, not the formal education. Yeah, okay, okay. So, listen, I've just finished reading The Lessons School Forgot. Yes. Which is subtitled, How to Hack Your Way Through the Technology Revolution. Yes. I was really interested in your out-of-box, out-of-the-box theories. Yep. Throughout the book relating to today's fast-paced economy... And, you know, you say there's an opportunity for all of us around the corner if yes. we want to knock on that door. Yep. And how would you explain your ideology and evidence to someone in denial of the state of play you describe in the book? Okay. Um, so the thing with school, and this is where we need to start, we need to start with uh, school as it is was designed at the dawn of the industrial era. And, and its design, which was suitable at that time, was largely to train people to survive industrialization. Right. And what industrialization meant that, you know, before the Industrial Revolution, most people couldn't read. So we forget that. It's easy to forget that. Yeah, only a couple so, of hundred yeah, years ago. Yeah, a couple of hundred years ago, what, well, 70% of people, you know, in various countries, it varies a bit, couldn't read. Mm. And if you were a 
baker, that's because your dad was a baker or if you were a carpenter or if you were any of those yeah. trades or tasks, you did what, what you learnt from an uncle or from your family. But when industrialization came along, if you were a wood turner or a, uh, a baker, you couldn't compete with the factory. Yes. All right. So you couldn't make te- chairs or tables as cheap as the factory. You couldn't bake bread as cheap as the factory. Or bake uh, as many uh, of them. Or bake as many. So right. And so scale. what happened was, so there was scale there. And with that industrialization process, the only way to survive was to move to the city and become part of that. And so school was designed to teach us the three R's, writing, reading, and arithmetic, mm. so that we could man the factories the efficiency gains that we'd get, we'd all get to consume more and we'd have a wage and it was a perfect fit. Perfect system. Perfect system for the the industrialists. Perfect for them, but also perfect for us. We've got to remember that our wealth inordinately increased during that period of time. We ended up with private transport, free education, warm houses, fridges and cupboards that were full. We never had that before. Less disease, you know, medication, all of the things we just take for granted today. Mm. You know, more than one pair of pants. Right, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what that's what we got, right? And it was a really good deal, and but what happened was, education became this limiting thing where you had to learn things by rote, not really think for yourself, yeah. uh, learn a system and be able to apply that system for someone else, and it stole one thing from us. Above all, all else, it stole one thing. It stole self reliance. Yes, exactly. See, if you were a carpenter in the past. You had to not only be able to make the tables, but think about the type of tables people wanted. And if people were wanting different shapes or different designs, then you'd have to adapt your designs. And then you'd have to think about what's the cost of my wood going to be on my timber. Maybe that cost has gone up. Maybe I need to change the type of timber or new timbers in fashion. Mm. How am I going to market myself? You know, what should my shop front look like? Mm. You know, should I be going out and speaking to customers? Gee, I better do my books and my accounting. See, when you're an employee, all that stuff goes away. You don't, have you don't know how to manage. No skin in the game. You don't know how to manage a system. All you know how to do is to man a factory yeah. to do one particular thing. And this is the reason, this, this alone is the reason why everyone is putting their hand up saying, all our jobs are going to disappear. Oh, woe is me. Because you know why? Mm. None of us are self-reliant. Yeah, terrified. Terrified. Wait, who said that the world owes you a living? Who said that you should have a job? Who said, go yeah. out there. Well, government do. Well, and I that's the problem. I think that's been the mantra. The mantra is jobs and growth. Jobs and growth and the great Australian dream of that house, yeah, which is you know, creating all of these, you know, yeah. urban growth suburbs where everyone's got to have these big houses as well. <laughs> but the idea of a job, that that's also rare. It's only in the last kind of 200 years most people have been employees. Before that, there was no such thing as an employee. Yeah. And you were more willing and able to adapt and you had adapted many more times in the past and now we're very bad at adaption because someone has been, we've been economic outpatients where someone has just handed us a job at a certain wage so we can buy things. And then when the job goes away, we all say, you need to provide something for me. And I actually, I'm really disappointed by that because I think that the human spirit of entrepreneurialism, of self-reliance has been stolen from us during this industrial era. Mm, because and, and it was, it's killed the creativity it's of killed a lot the creativity of people. And, and the schools have done that as well. That's right. What schools a pyramid scheme that is designed where you compete for an ATAR to get a certain score, to go and do a certain, you know, get a qualification and then take that qualification to a big company. Now, that, that's not invalid. It's valid well, it for certain for people. Decades. Yeah, and it still works for people and will work for certain people. But mm. it, it is, it, it limits the potentiality. And one of the things that's really interesting with jobs and growth, I hate the word job. I prefer the word revenue. Yeah. And the reason I prefer the word revenue is because we don't need a job when we grow up. 
what we actually need is uh, revenue, revenue streams. Revenue streams. Now, a job is one of those. Yeah. And it might be a good one, and it might be the right one for you, and that's great because not everyone wants to be self-reliant. Some people want to be looked after and do something for someone else. Mm. But as soon as you use the word job, you're limiting that mindset for your kids and the people around you into one potential form of revenue. There's probably about 15 other types of revenue you could generate. Yeah, it's right? that mindset that I think I was talking about when I was asking the question, you know, what is that ideology? Because I really loved how you flipped the employer-employee relationship as well. Yeah, like the yeah. employee, I can't remember what you said, but you were talking about, you know, you need to diversify your portfolio. Yeah, well, that's this is, this is the first thing a company does. Or when you, when you learn investing, the first thing they teach you is uh, portfolio diversification. So have a number of streams so you don't put all your risk into one investment. But here's what we ask people to do. Put all their financial risk into one employer. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the opposite of everything you learn in investing. Yeah. In investing, the first thing you learn is don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? To use simple language, mm. right? And they say, make sure you diversify your investments. To mitigate risk. Right, but what do we tell people? We say, no, 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 get, get a, job. a single job, yeah. single revenue source, all risk in one place. Yeah, Isn't that crazy. ironic? It's crazy. And it's why the system's broken now. And well, it's why people are so fearful because they know that the system's broken. Well, and they know intuitively that they have more risk because people just want to get a job instead of having revenue streams. See, if people yeah, start... Yeah, you talked about the money, the money, you, you, how you defined money, I found really oh, interesting right. as yes. well. Yes, yes. So money isn't real. It's, it, all money is is a promise based on future expectations to deliver against that promise. Mm, mm. That's the way I define money. And the reason I define it that way is then we can understand the risk of the promise, which makes more sense than the money. Yeah, okay. Right? So um, what's the probability that someone will deliver against what you've said? And if the probability is high, then the money is low risk. If the yeah. probability um, is low, then that's high risk money. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I kind of think of money as a future promise to deliver against something you said you would. Right. Because not hardly any of the money money doesn't exist. It's not even real. It's just numbers that sit or pieces of paper in in a wallet or numbers in a bank account or on a computer somewhere, which is based on promises. Yeah. Okay. All it is is a list of promises with numbers behind them. Yeah. That's that's what money is. Yeah. Like even when you get a loan for your house. Um, the bank says, okay, what's your job? Okay, you, you, you're doing this, you've got this amount of income. We think you're good for it, we'll give you some money because we think you're a good promise to keep. You're mm. likely to keep your promise of pay us X amount each month. Like none of it's real. Mm, mm. And none of, it's, none of it's that stable either. No, that's right. So it's all um, an edifice based on expectations. Mm. So we're getting all metaphorical here, but it is like a, a, an edifice based on expectations of whether or not that person will stay true on what they said they would do. Mm. And this whole system is predicated on all of these assumptions. Like there's nothing physical or real about money. And so if you can remove money in your mindset from that, then you can understand it a bit better and you're more likely to attract it. And what, so what, what was it in the book that, I mean, I, I was fascinated with, the, the three kinds of money. You said there's not one kind of money. Yeah, yeah there are three kinds of money. And, and, and I thought that was a real takeaway for me. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I think that there are the three kinds of money. There's um, earned money, there's invested money, and there's invented money. And it's a hierarchy. Mm. So earned money is the only type of money we learn at at school. And the reason we learn about earned money is because of what I just said, the industrial system. Earned money is when you get a job and you trade your time for money. Mm. Right, you say, I can do this thing 
and you give me the money mm. for doing that particular task, whether it's you know making a hamburger or a coffee or you know doing some legal paperwork or whatever yeah. whatever it ha- you happen to do in your job. So earned money is uh, you trade your time for someone and they pay you mm. a wage. You have to be in that room to earn that money. Yeah. Right. You Very have to limiting. be in there. It's limiting because there's only 24 hours in a day. There will never be more than 24 hours in a day, mm. and you can only ever earn 24 hours worth of money. Right. Yeah, exactly. Even if you get earn a lot for what you do let's say you're, you're a high-paid lawyer or a high-paid high-paid surgeon you're still earning it you have to be in the room and you still tax a lot and you're taxed a lot right so that's earned money mm. second on the list is invested money mm. now invested money is when you take the excess that you save or you borrow or get access to money and you give it to someone else and they multiply that money for you so that's when you buy shares or mm. property or you invest in a business and so that money, you don't have to be in the room at the same time, mm. right? But you usually have to buy the thing. So you're actually buying something for $100 and then you hope it brings back 110 Yeah. Because someone needs that money to create something, right? So you're investing money. That's the second type of money. Now that's good because you can make that money while you sleep, right? Yes. You don't have to be in the room. It's or you can be working, revenue. it's passive revenue, right? And then the third type Mm. is inventing money. Now, this is the top of the hierarchy. This is what creates civilization. This is what I loved. This is what creates civilization. Without this, there is no civilization. We're still living in caves. Mm. Inventing money is putting together the factors of production on on the earth, putting together seed and soil and sunshine Mm. and and building things out of timber. And this is making stuff. Mm. So in the entrepreneurial sense, I... uh, put together coffee beans, hot water and milk in a cup, and it cost me a dollar, but I sell it to you for three. That's inventing two bucks. I invented two dollars. Yeah. Now, and anyone who says you didn't invent two dollars is crazy because that's where economic growth comes from. Mm. All of the economic growth in society is from invented money. Yeah. Now here's why it's beautiful. Not only is invented money a creative process, and you know the human spirit comes out and it's wonderful and you can spot trends and put things together in new and interesting ways and deliver it to the market. And the market says, we like that. We'll give you a premium for that. Mm. And you invent the money. Here's why it's beautiful. For every dollar you earn in inventing money or every dollar you invent, you actually get 10. Oh, I like that. Do you know how you actually get 10? How? Because when you build a business, you can sell it. Yeah. Because it's That's right. Because people valued. will buy it. People will buy it at a price earnings ratio. So if you invent money, right, and you're making $2 for every dollar you put in, all of a sudden someone will say, well, I'll give you $100 for that business because you've built a system of inventing money. That's going to make me more money. That's right. So there's value so there. So because you're inventing money, the, the art of entrepreneurship is you build a business. And bills and businesses can be sold for much more than they cost to build. That's mm. called a price earnings ratio. Mm. And that's the top of the hierarchy. So every dollar could eat 10 or mean 20 or mean 30 times what you're earning. So it has this multiple effect. So it's and the scaler. It's the scaler. So yeah. it's where we all need to be. That's right. So when, when someone invests in money, you're buying into it. But when yeah. you're inventing money, you're creating the thing and someone else might buy it off you. Mm. Now, here's what you can never do. You can never sell your job. No. Can't sell it. Have you ever sold a job that you've had? No. Have you ever even, sold a job? It's even hard to get somebody in there to You can't even get... That's, there you go. Because you're often so but, bored. But imagine this. Imagine, like, that, but that's a really interesting thing. You can't sell a job, can you? No, no. You just leave. They go, yeah. thanks for coming, bye. Yeah. But if I built a business and I did pretty well, I can sell that business. Mm. Maybe for 10 times the price. Well, that's so 10 years worth of work. So choice as well. So you've so, got your freedom. You've yeah. got your financial independence. Yeah. People think it's risky. You know what I think is risky? 
having one having revenue, a job. having having a job. Yeah. So I'd rather have right like right now I've got some businesses, but I'm a freelancer as well. So I have mm. you know maybe this year I had seventy employers. Yeah. Okay. Different days, different days different, a week. So, exactly. So if I lose one, let's say one, it doesn't turn out well with one. Yeah. Which it doesn't happen, listeners. By the way, they all love me. It's fantastic. No, but but let's he's, say I had gorgeous. Like, listeners. Yeah, yeah, he's right. gorgeous. So so if I had uh, one that didn't like me or two or ten, yeah. right? I've still got sixty left. Yeah. So what's my risk? Exactly. So you've mitigated risk completely. Make you future-proofed yourself, Steve. Right, right. So listen, just a lot of people are confused out there. Are you suggesting that entrepreneurs are, um, you know, all, all startups are entrepreneurs or all entrepreneurs are startups? What's what's the difference oh, between the two? Yeah, that's inter- that's, a, that's a really good question. So, look, I think that people are born entrepreneurs. I'm just going to go to entrepreneurship first. People are born yeah. entrepreneurs and then it gets kicked out of you by the system. Yeah, by the school. By schools and the system of life and the system of life, which yeah, is... The way you're treated by yeah, the government. Yeah, all of that. And, and, and even when you go to get a loan for the bank, if you're an entrepreneur like me, they actually think you're more risky, mm. which is the opposite than mm. if you're an employee. If you're an employee, they go, I'll just show us your uh, wage statement. We'll give last you... Last three uh, months. Last three months and we'll give you a loan. And you could... But with me, I have to go and give them the last two years <laughs> of what I earned because they think I'm riskier. I'm less risky. Yeah, yeah. If hedged I wanted to get a loan, right? Almost. It's all hedged against you. Because the system, they want taxpayers. Yeah, that's they right. don't want entrepreneurs. Because if you're an entrepreneur, you only pay thirty percent tax. I know. Right, or, but, or, but if you're or an employee, very you little pay, listeners. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, depending if you're not depends doing it. Depends if you're yeah. really. It depends canny. how well you're going, right? Depends how canny you are. Steve, well, and it also honest. depends on how well you're going. You yes. might be going backwards for the first couple of years. <laughs> yes. Right, but um. So yeah, you're start you're starting off the entrepreneurs. Yeah, so if you're an entrepreneur, you are. Uh, I think everyone's an entrepreneur. It gets kicked out of you. But even if you're an employee, I still think you're an entrepreneur. And if you change that mindset and say, I'm an entrepreneur who sells my services to one important customer, otherwise known as my boss or my employer, then you change your mindset. And that's important. Mm. So you've got to think of yourself as an entrepreneur now selling your services. You're the CEO of your personal personal services services corporation. corporation. I loved it. Right? It's so good. Because then all of a sudden, instead of saying, how do I get more? I want a promotion. You're saying, no, how can I give more? Yeah. How can I be of more value and get a higher price for my services? How can I create more value? That's right. And and if you create more value and your current customer doesn't appreciate it, get a new customer. customer. Yeah. All right? And become good at storytelling. And become good at what you do, right? Become so good at that. your pitch deck. Yeah, that's right. So the value you create. But I think that um, a lot of startup uh, people out there there's a bit of a bubble there with a lot of startup people. They're actually fail not acting. Fail fast, yeah, yeah. Because some of them are just failures. Yeah, a lot of them are getting caught up in this Silicon Valley bubble. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, I'm an, I'm I'm in a startup, but they actually don't think like entrepreneurs. Mm. They're they're all like, well, I'm I'm in a I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. They said, oh, well, what we're going to do is create a, an MVP, a minimum viable product, and then go and raise money in Silicon Valley and and try and scale up. I'm like, well, why would you raise money? They said, oh, because that's what you do, right? You, you start a startup, you build a, an app, and then you go and raise money. I said, well, as soon as you raise money, then you're an employee again because you've got a boss who's your venture capitalist. Yeah, well, it depends, I guess, what the MVP's like. If the MVP's pretty good, then hopefully you don't need but, to bring in. But here's, here's what the ultimate, is what, you know, the ultimate thing for an entrepreneur is you actually don't want any capital. Mm. Here's what you should want because there's only a few businesses that need that for scale. Yeah. What you really should want is to be able to build a business that has that this weird thing called profit. So many of them don't want it. It's a, it's call me old fashioned. Make a profit and then build a business and then remain independent. Because yeah. that's what we want in life, right? We want independence. 
You don't want to be dependent on someone or have someone owning you. And as soon as you take money from someone, the objective of the business changes. They want you to grow inordinately so that they can sell it and make an inordinate profit. Maybe what you want is to build a good sustainable business. Mm. So I really think that we need to think more about building a business that's so sustainable. It's got, got a value proposition. That's solving that makes a problem. Solving a problem. I mean, the interesting conversation that we're having is, you know, why do some of these startups exist? Yeah, well, do we really What's, need pizza delivered they, by a drone? Do we really need that? What problem are they solving? I don't know. They're, in, mate, they're looking, technology's looking for problems. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many basic problems out there that people don't want to solve. Everyone wants to create an app. I'm like, well, they say, I'm, I've got an idea for an app. I say, no, you haven't. I said, you've got an idea for a business. An app may be the distribution channel, yeah, and but an tell app me. Maybe the enabler. It might be, but that's not the business. The business is, your is, idea. is what it is, the problem you're solving. Tell me about the problem you're solving. Let's work out if that's real. And then let's work out a channel to facilitate that problem solution fit. Yeah. And people jump straight to the execution without understanding what it is they're trying to solve and whether or not that's the best angle. Well, I think the hard thing about some of the startups is they're not solving problems. No, and they not, go to not, the angel investors and the it's angel little, investors' look, first question is, but yeah, what's the problem you're solving? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and so they turn around and say... You don't have a viable business. Well, yeah, and do, you, and do you really need the money in the first place? So I just really like the idea of, and I tell people in the book, if you want to be an entrepreneur, go out and have a garage sale, sell something on eBay, just do some, run an event, just do some basic things, get your hands dirty, money in, money out. Did I make a profit? Yeah. What can I learn? Even if and, it's a hundred bucks. Yeah, and don't, yeah, do, do something simple. Keep the basics. Most people have just jumped to um, the trendy stuff. The tech and, stuff. And, and, yeah, and forgotten about the basics. So I think the basics... They really don't change. Mm. And if you get that right, you can plug in the trendy stuff later. And mm. and I think that a lot of people are getting lost in that kind of bubble of it's a little bit like you know, I'm in a startup now, it's like I'm in a band in nineteen eighty nine. It's like it's yeah. like everyone's like, oh, I'm in a band. That's that's what it's like. <laughs> They seriously, so they get in the co-working space. Bubble to burst pretty soon, or do well, you think it's just going to? No, it's definitely going to be bubble along. It'll bubble along because we are going through a revolution where there will be more and more startups, and mm. the reason is is that the barriers to entry are so low. Yeah. So well, years ago, it was so hard cheap. to get going. Yeah, the tech's cheap. Anyone can start something straight away. Like so, that's going to continue. But I think what you'll find is a lot of people uh, just spending a lot of time and money building something that isn't real that probably won't work because they don't have the fundamentals right. Should I get so when I'm coming across some of these startups out in Melbourne, yeah, Steve? Do you want yeah. me to come and have a chat with you? And well, you can, you can if you want. Put them on the right. Well, it's up to me. Right you know path. what? They'll learn. They'll learn, right? Because Bail if you keep fast. their yeah, if they keep living in bubble world, um, then if eventually you, the rubber hits the road, and where's the money? Bites you know, in the ass. yeah, you know what? I, I, you see all the time now in smart company and all of these these online magazines is how company X raise X amount of capital, and you get them standing with their arms folded and a t-shirt, leaning up against a brick wall yeah. with spray paint behind it, yeah, <laughs> with a beard, <laughs> right? Um, about how cool their startup is because they raised five hundred thousand dollars or one point five million from Greylock Partners. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's, yeah. That doesn't mean anything. So what? I don't care. It's like yeah. saying you've got a record contract. Here's the real question. Did anyone buy your album? Yeah. And is anyone going to buy <laughs> and it? And is anyone going to your concert? All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how good your album cover looks or your or your brand, uh, your, your band promo shot, which is ostensibly what these startup pictures are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I, we're showing I, I, our age here, aren't we? Get, I'm like, oh, am I just, am I alienating all the startup community no, out there? I love no, you no, guys. no, no, the startup community we here. We're, we're no, moving closer to the microphone because I think we're both aware no, dude, that. dude, listen, yeah. startup people out there. 
I'm telling you this because I love you and I want you to have the truth of where success lies. And I promise you, the answers are not inside TechCrunch. Well, that goes on to my next question. So, you know, I was talking about startups, you know, failing and failing fast. From an entrepreneurial perspective, how long do you give an idea before you feel like, you know, back in the day, you'd, you'd draft your business plan, you know, the business plan was thrown out usually on yeah. day one of business starting because you realised how yes, yeah. you had no idea. There'd been no design thinking around it. You had no mm. idea actually what the customers were after. And how long does an entrepreneur go before they go, hold on, this isn't working? I think actually it's funny because I've got one startup I've been plugging around for more than a year, but I've only been doing it sort of part-time, so it's not um, in that realm. But I think you should throw out the idea really, really quick and just change as quickly as you can. Because yep. I, I really don't believe in this playing long, like um, with a startup idea, oh, people will catch up, people will catch up. Because nine times out of ten, they don't. If it's going to catch fire, it catches fire quick. It needs to be sticky quick. straight away. I think so. I really do. Yeah. Like, I, I'd love to do an experiment one day to have a look at all of the big startups that turned into big companies mm. or all of the really successful apps and say, how quick did they catch on and I think you'll probably find most of them caught on really quick within a few months well I was I, I fascinated reckon... I was listening to Masters of Scale last week with Reid Hoffman and he yeah. was interviewing Zuckerberg and Zuckerberg I didn't realise two years into Facebook was talking with his co-founders about a business that they should create because they didn't even see Facebook as their business because right. it was just something that was addressing a need right right which they was didn't, a social yeah. network right right and he was like it's just fun this right. is just something that these schools want. There was like 50 schools in their portfolio yeah, right. and they still were looking at oh, what trying to find a start, right, what kind of go. startup they should start. There you go. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do. I think that if it's going to catch fire, it'll catch fire within three months. That's what I believe. So it's and fail. Oh, it, oh it's check yeah, out just your pivot. idea. Yeah, check it out. Quickly. Put it out there as quick as you can. Thin, small. Get your little uh, mini audience. Mini audience, mini, yeah. Mini Ten customers. people. Ten people, five people, whatever. Are they using it? Are they engaged? Are they loving it? And if they are, then scale. If not, pivot straight away. So yeah. you see, I am using some startup lingo there for you, everyone. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think if it's going to catch fire, it'll catch fire quick. I don't think you should stay long. Yeah. I really don't. There you go. That's unless that's in a digital business. If it's a physical business, then you, you need to stay a bit longer because there's different dynamic in physical things versus virtual things. Well, you've got those tie-ins as well with a with a. I mean, you can always work out of a garage or your you know yeah. your home office, but you know you may have invested in a lease, which is a real yeah, problem. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah, so or, or invested lease, in capital well, or machinery legacy, or these yeah, legacy right, arrangements right. where you're going. Yeah. Oh, I'm tied into this but lease. But one of the things you should do if you're out there with a startup is. Always ask yourself, how can I access the factors of production instead of owning them? Yeah. Because when you own the factors of production, they end up owning you. Yeah. There's a little bit of uh, Tyler Durden right there, Fight Club. No. Oh, the okay. things you own end up owning you. Yeah, that is true. But it's it's and never been true of a business. A lot of That's right. See, in in the past, if you wanted to manufacture something, you had to own a factory. Well, now you can access that factory. Yeah. You know, you want to start a micro beer, you can go and act, go and get someone's brewery and hire it out for a weekend. You couldn't do that 10, 10 15 years ago. Well, look at Airbnb. Look at right. Uber. That's they're right. All shared. I mean, they they're not purely in essence shared economy. I mean, you can. No, they're rental economy, yeah. not shared economy. But the point is, is that. You should never try and own an asset that you can access instead because it gives you the flexibility if it doesn't work of to doing change. Something else with doing your something else, that's right. And you can use your capital in other areas. And this is why up into a big car. That's right. And this is why most 
legacy companies get disrupted is because they have the financial disadvantage of um, overhead costs of owning assets. Mm. But they'll also be in the small percentage of, uh, I guess, companies and people out there that can lease their assets as well. Which That's I true. Think Some, someone, has to to, someone has to lease their assets. Yeah, they're creating new re- yeah. revenue streams now. They're yeah, saying, they should yeah, that use that as a platform. There, yeah, use it. Yeah. 50% of the time. Let's. Yeah lease it out to a school. Exactly, yeah, that's right. So, listen, fundamentally the book's a teaching tool, one that I'm going to be giving to my kids, so Mm -hmm. thank you. I'm interested to know what you teach your kids and what we should be teaching our teenagers at the moment stuck in the system. I'm saying that because I've got teenagers, I've got a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old. I get really riled when they come home and they talk to me about subject selection for year 11 and 12. I hate that. It's insane. And I'm like, listen... The World Economic Forum have written a report saying 50% of the jobs in the future by 2020 don't exist today. How do they know what you guys are going to be doing? And by the Why way, are they limiting you to yeah. these bizarre subjects that they don't even know are going to be relevant in five years' yeah. time? Well, that's true. But you know what's interesting about that? That point that... that bubbled up to me when you said that they said the word jobs they still got their head in the jobs mindset well, they didn't say me, no no but that's what their report says i've read the same report it doesn't say we don't know where people will get their revenue from they yes. still said the word jobs yeah i so actually think that, that mindset yeah shift, isn't it? so the first thing let's, the question was what do we teach our kids my wife and i we've, we've had interesting discussions and debates and i've got to give her uh credit for uh shifting my mindset on some stuff mm. so i'm i'm very informal in the way that i like to educate right uh, but she, she in, in some ways is formal so we teach our kids languages is really important communication uh, yeah so language so they speak english italian mandarin uh my daughter learns piano um because yeah. that's a, you know it's a form of code and it's physical and it's mental and it's cerebral and it is beautiful and what's well, beautiful as well don't um, forget that stuff. No, I won't forget you that. You talked about your dad and nature. It's no, like, that, know, that's true. Music is beautiful. Yeah, music is beautiful. Um, and I like to teach my kids above all systems thinking. This is yeah, what okay. I call it, systems thinking. Because what happens is tasks get replaced, but understanding systems helps you find your place in it and helps you see the changes of a system as you're working it. So let me give you an example. I wanted to teach my daughter how to um, understand the world a bit. And I said... Uh, I want to grow some food. What food do you want to grow? And she said, pizza. <laughs> and I said, you've made it <laughs> hard. You've made it hard, but let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> we literally grew an end-to-end pizza in our backyard, including the wheat. Brilliant. Right, it wasn't now, we didn't kill any animals. It was a vegetarian pizza, but we did everything. I'm glad right, you right, that. Yeah, no, we did she everything. She might have been mortified. Yes, that's true. That's true. We did everything end to end. She planted the seeds of the tomatoes, the capsicum, the basil, the, the oregano, the wheat, everything. Watered it every day. I made her, I made her pick out uh, all of the weeds. Right the when the birds, and yeah, and the bugs, and when the birds were eating her seeds, she'd be out the window, knocking the window, go away, birds, they're eating our seeds, Dad. Adorable. Right, and we, seriously, and we we made, um, and we ended up with way too many tomatoes and everything, but we made the pizza. We did it seven months. We we're pretty hungry. Seven months. <laughs> By the time we got it. Yes. So we made the pizza and we ate it. But you know what? It changed her view on the world for sure. Like she would like go into Coles and go, oh, look look how, look how much hard work there is here when she sees the fruit yeah. and vegetable section. She valued yeah, what she went she valued it, that. right? And you know what she said? She would say, we've got all these extra tomatoes. Why don't we give them to Coles? And I said, give? We're not giving anything. I said, sell. <laughs> sell Absolutely. to Coles. And she said, sell. The and her eyes lit up. Yeah. Her eyes lit up. You know, she's five years old. She said, sell. 
how much do tomatoes sell for? And I said, I don't know, $4 a kilo. And she said, wow, we should rip up the grass. See, it doesn't take kids long Brilliant. to get their head in entrepreneurship. Now, some of the other things that she started doing is because we'd done this the whole way, she's already thinking about revenue. She's thinking about the supply chain. Yeah. When the birds were in, she said, you know what we should do? We should make a scarecrow with robotic arms. Dad, you know about computers. Let's let's do that so that let's we don't... Let's check it up. Let's check it up. So she's thinking about how to <laughs> scare away the birds from stealing her crop. Yeah. So all of a sudden, she doesn't want to be the... She's not a tomato picker, which is what a job is. Yeah. You're a, maybe one of your jobs is I'm the basil grower or I'm the tomato picker or I'm the person who puts the tomatoes in the, in the cabinet at Coles or, you know, I'm the dough maker. No, 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 no. She understands the system. And she's the organiser. And the she's system. the organiser, the orchestrator. She is organising mm, the factors mm. of production, not, not being the... She's being the system. That's right. Yeah. And so if I teach her that, then straight away at age five, I'll put an imprint in her brain which will make her future-proof because straight away she understands the system. Now, the supply chain will change over time. New technology comes. People might not have tomato on pizza in 20, 30 years. Who knows? Yeah. But she understands well, a system. it probably be created by a 3D printer. Right. But, right. but because she understood the system end-to-end, she's thinking it through. Now, here's what jobs and schools do. They teach you to be a tomato guy. Yeah, that's right. So this is why... I know this sounds crazy. I know this no, sounds this a bit metaphorical crazy. This is why we both crazy. get so heated because it's yeah. like, why isn't this being taught at school? Yeah. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not anti-school. I'm pro-school. I, I think um, yeah, breadth too. of education is amazing and everything that I learn in school, read, write, maths, all of that is amazing. And socialising. And, and socialising. All of that stuff is amazing. But it does turn into a bit of a pyramid scheme in the later ends. I actually think primary schools are pretty good. I think primary schools have moved a long way. Uh, but I think that we still have this... There's more flexibility in primary yeah, schools. Yeah. That's why they have moved. Yeah, and then, in, and then in high school, you, you, you get, in high school, in high school, you end up. Gee, what are your three subjects to get into the uni course to do that? And you know, another thing as well is, uh, it's a real shame that kids miss out on doing whatever university course they want to do because it's an arbitrary decision. Now, why do we limit the number of university places on a school when you could? Do the lectures online. Online, exactly. Sit the exam. They don't have to sit in an amphitheatre. No, and it will cost nothing, almost nothing. Mm. And they could pay their own fees to get their scores marked and only do it. Maybe you have two forms of degree. You have the, okay, you got the score, you get in to go to the uni. You didn't get the score, but you can still do it if you want. Yeah. It might be harder for you, but if you pass the exams, hey, you got the degree. Mm. The only reason we're doing that, I'll tell you now, is to exclude people and to create an unnatural hierarchy. I promise you that is yeah, true. Yeah, it does seem classist, doesn't it? It is classist. Why? Why? Like, When seriously. you're trying to build a capability pipeline, why would you exclude? We're excluding kids. You missed out. Let's say you got a score. I don't know what the ATARs are. You got 92 instead of 94, and now you can't do an economics degree or whatever, arts mm. degree or whatever. Why? Mm. Why? Mm. The, 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 the stuff's question. online. Press a button. Yeah. Send the person the well, lecture the notes. Are, though, that's going to be disrupted because they will well, press a button well, well, and they'll go to well, one of the Well, they've got MOOCs. MOOCs. Yeah, the MOOCs. Well, I would rather have some kid who did MOOCs course come and work for me yeah. than someone who was privileged and went to XYZ University and got yeah. in and went to private school. I'd yeah. rather have that. Well, I think the interesting thing as well is the feeling of being in that club. And I think the club mentality is slowly dying, particularly yeah. with skill sets from people overseas coming in. Mm. And they didn't go to that club, but they're brilliant. So actually, we need to hire yeah, Jimmy because... Well, uh, well, you've got entrepreneurial skills if you're a self-taught person. If you went to uni, you, there's no guarantee you, you're a self-starter. or do the, If you learnt it all yourself, we say, well, not only can the person do the stuff, well, I know they've got all these other 
skills of entrepreneurship mm. and self-starting and motivated mm. and probably hardworking. Failed, probably themselves yeah. up, bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. The other thing I, I don't teach, we, we try to limit screen time with our kids. Now, yeah. a lot of people think, you know, giving them tech actually makes them smart. I actually think it limits them. Yeah. Now, yeah. the first reason is that I think that t- the technology will probably change and be outdated. We're probably more likely to have semantic code where, or natural language processing where you don't code into a computer anymore. You train your computer like a dog. Oh, wow. That, that'll happen. I mean, that was a cover article on Wired Magazine. Is that magazine. the intuitive kind of tech that they're talking about? So yeah, it's you, you will basically... Part, it's an extension of who you yeah, are. Yeah, so you, what will happen is you'll have your own software devices that you speak to and you code mm. and you train, you train your computer to do the things you want to do. Or you could literally speak to a computer to create computer code or a program. Mm. Like that was the cover article on Wired Magazine, you know, 12, 18 months ago. Yeah. So this is not if, it's when. Yeah, and exactly. so teaching people the technology now is probably going to be outdated. They're probably better off understanding maths and language and communication than they are code. Yeah. So I, I, we limit screen time. We don't think and that's And you've got a little kids too. So my I kids are little. Too, they need to be out in the garden. Out, out, mucking around, out in the real world. Yeah, breadth, 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 breadth. And, yeah, and with teenagers, creating. selling and entrepreneurship, I think, are undervalued in Australian society. Selling's a dirty word in this country. Selling, entrepreneurship, Hustle. We don't yes, have see, enough I of that. I call selling pitching. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm like, yeah. if you're a good pitcher, yeah. you, you're doing okay. Well, here's the thing. The you've best got a pitch good wins. Story, if you're solving a problem and you've got a good pitch, that pitch is going to win over some clients. The people always buy you before they buy your product. Yeah. Right, they buy you first. Now, if there's three people with equal qualifications, I'll tell you who wins. The good pitcher. Yeah. Now, all you need to do is look as good on paper. You might not even be as good as the other person mm. on paper. But if you make it look nearly as good and you get in the room, the person who speaks the best game always wins and always has and always will. Mm. So acting classes are a good idea. Mate, I promise you, acting classes are killer. <laughs> yes. Improv and acting. I totally agree. I'm like, yeah. go performance, kids. Go performance. Performance is Mate, everything. performance art is everything. Especially in a world with AI and efficiency, right? What's going to matter more? In a world of AI and efficiency and robotics, humanity and oh, that, yeah, that, that natural connection. That, yeah, they're, 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 they're the killer skills. We're moving up the Maslow hierarchy. Mm. Well, listen, I, the other thing I was touching upon when you were just talking about the kids and, and the devices is, you know, do you worry about the privacy? Yeah, massively. Yeah, because I'm like, these poor kids, they are so, they've got this digital footprint now they can't get away with anything they can't get away with what we got away with well you know i mean i don't know what you're like i was very very conservative a good person who never ever did anything wrong (laughs) does he come on if you you could if you could see if you could see steve's face now you'd know why i was laughing no i was pretty naughty um (laughs) and and, i was pretty naughty too yeah and and i think my god thank god there's not a digital no you're right you could get away you go wow you know for us we had a super advantage that they're just not going to have because if any teenage does something stupid, one of his mates would be laughing filming it. Yeah. And right? I, and even if they think, oh, don't share it, mate, guess what? It's already shared. Yeah, but they, they don't even understand that. But that that is, you see, the moment you're filming it, that's on the cloud, there and then, that moment. It's, mm. not, it's not isolated. Mm. Everything digital is trackable forever. Now, here's what I think. Right now, digital and privacy is the climate change of the modern era, and we don't realise the repercussions yet. I know, it's, they're, they're, and they're so slow to catch up. It's the up. workplace health and safety that we need to be protecting people's privacy in the same way we protected people's arms from getting chopped off. Because mm. privacy and secrets are not the same thing. So what do you mean by that? So people think that they say, well, I've got nothing to hide, so why should I worry about the government 
hoovering up my metadata or what Facebook put on there. Well, and that's what they say. Right, but my co- medical stuff, for instance. Okay, I don't mind all my medical stuffs online. Right, Why but but yeah, but you know, privacy and secrets are not the same thing. So a secret is something you're trying to hide for a reason, where you're trying to obfuscate or you're doing something naughty or secret, which is where the terrorism thing comes in. That's a secret. But privacy and secrets are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now the government hoovering up more data is like saying we want to find terrorists, and terrorists are a needle in a haystack. So in order to find the needle, we're going to collect more hay. Yeah, we're going to, exactly. Does that make any sense? It's crazy. Doesn't make any sense. And how many analysts can you have? Or how many no, no, machines or computers can analyse that Has data? it helped them? Has it helped them stop it? No. It doesn't help that lone yeah. nut. What's, what is the, uh, that's right. And what they is the. They need more psychotherapists. Uh, th- there you go. And, and what is the risk of terrorism <laughs> anyway? It's very, very low. Absolutely. Anyone who knows anything about statistics know that we should be, the, the real problem is, Walking, you know, family, across the road. walking across the road or you know, family violence. There's, there's an Absolutely. inordinate number of things that we should be putting our energies into to solve first before fear and terrorism, which is really just a political, you know, get some votes behind you, we'll, we'll keep you safe. Yeah. I mean, and it's just an absolute hoax and misallocation of resources. Um, the other thing we need to remember with... Let, oh, let me give you one of my favourite examples of privacy being misused. Because there's no context of metadata, mm. collecting data on people can make them look guilty for something they're not. So let me give you an example. Mm. Let's say someone is turning up late for work. They always look tired and a bit disheveled and you think, thinking, this person's not really delivering here and you talk to them once or twice and say, sorry, I'll pick up my game. And then somehow you get access to their metadata and guess what you find out? Every night at 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. they're in a pub. No wonder they're late to work. Yeah, they're no drinking. wonder they're tired. No wonder they're tired, they're drinking, they're off. But no, no, guess what they were doing? What? To try and put their kids through school, they were doing a cleaning job in a pub late at night between 10 and 1, a second job because they were struggling financially and they were turning up to their other job in the morning tired. Now, the metadata would only say where they were yeah. at what time. And you could assume they're in a pub drinking, but maybe they're in there working as the cleaner. Yeah. And that's the problem. So the interpretation of the data that that's is the, the problem. problem. Now, we don't know what sort of externalities that could happen with privacy, but our data is being hoovered up and sold and made the richest companies in the world, Facebook, Google, rich, because we're giving it away. Tech companies, the power. Because we're we're giving it away. We shouldn't be giving it away. You know what? We should own that data. It should be ours. Mm. And I I think this is a really, really big problem. And we don't know yet how it's going to bubble up, but it's not going to end well. And there are no laws around it. It's incredible. Yeah, that's right. There are no laws about... In fact, the laws are going the other way. Yeah. The, the governments free are saying... Up. Free it up. The governments know? are saying, fantastic, you know what? We'll let you do all that stuff there. Can you hoover some of the, that info into our channels here in the NSA and um, into ASIO and we'll have all this information here? Mm. So it's, it's, it's a very convenient, cosy relationship between tech companies. And I know there's some window dressing at the moment where tech companies are saying, we're not giving you data and Apple, we're not giving you... Which uh, is information, bullshit. mate. I think they're just like you. Let us get away with being monopolists, which is what they are. Mm. Google, Facebook. It's terrifying. Amazon will be a monopolist. Now it's different. The reason they get away with it is because their market share is still small, but their power horizontally is deep and wide. Mm. Right, and so I th- I think that these companies like Standard Oil and Union Steel, they need to be split up because they've got too much power, and I don't think they should have. Uh, the control over our digital resources because opting out now isn't an economic possibility. They always say, oh, you can always opt out. You can opt out. You don't have to be on Facebook if you don't want. Mm. You can say no to our terms and conditions. Mm. But you know what? 
You can't. You if can't. you want to participate economically, you have no choice. Yeah, so in some ways, they're a digital utility. And I think that they, I would hope that you, we end up with some kind of a Wikipedia version of social media and search. And maybe computing power will increase to a point where we can get that. Mm. But I think that they, they should be kind of like informational utilities like the postal service was. And I think they should be in government control where there's more protections. I really do. And, and I think that that will increase competition. Mm. if we have a platform that everyone can compete on without rules that get changed because Mark Zuckerberg says, like, they do the bait and switch. Mark Zuckerberg said, build your brand following on our service, get all these likes and we'll send a post to everyone who likes your brand. Let's say you sell soda water and whenever you talk about soda water, they'll see it. So you build all that up and he says, oh yeah, we changed our mind on that now. Now you've got to pay if you want them to to see. You've got a million likes. Or we've tweaked the logarithm and what we promised you at the beginning isn't what we can do for you now. So you're sitting there going, hold on, what what, what do you mean by logarithm? What are you you doing? Algorithm. Algorithm. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, um, And that has happened and continues to happen. Yeah. And will continue to happen because they're private companies with a private agenda. And everyone ticks the terms and conditions. Everyone goes, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree to what? I agree. Agree to what? They don't even know. They could be saying, and I'm going to slice up your right arm. Couldn't they? I think, you know, a really really good idea. At some stage, I feel like slicing off your right arm. You can agree. It's legal chicanery. I think that we should have a global set of internet uh, terms and conditions which are simplified, you know, 20 terms and conditions. Yeah. And uh, all of the tech companies should abide by those and then if there's any exceptions then the exceptions need to be pointed out that would be a a, that is what a responsible government looking after its people would do Mm. but as we know i wonder which government would lead the way in that space i mean probably some in the nordic countries probably would yeah the nordic countries i think you know like denmark and these types of places yeah, uh, so would be more likely to do that. They, well, they? and look what they have, the highest standard of living. Yeah. What a surprise. And high standard of happiness. Yeah, they do. Yeah. High standard of living, high standard of happiness because they have high tax rates. They have, you know, real equality in education. Um, here, you know, you, you get a real head start if you go to a private school. You get a super head start or a fancy school. Yeah. If you go to a tough, rough school, mate. Well, I would say that you've got a great head start if you've gone to a fancy school. But I don't know whether that's going to be true in five years' time. It might time. not be. No, it is I changing a bit. I actually think that's being disrupted yeah, yeah, really yeah, right yeah. now. I don't well, think yeah, okay, well, let me, the let me rephrase that. relevant yeah, in well, some instances. Okay, but depending on where you grow up, the inequality has a, has a big impact on your potential to... Um, you know, where your, your, your economic standing later on yeah, has a pretty code. big impact, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does, does, unfortunately. And sadly, if you're an Indigenous person, it has even oh, more of an impact. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of... It's, it's there's incredible. A lot of, yeah, there's a it's, lot of social issues. Look, and I, I'm not an expert on any of that Australia. stuff, on the on the social yeah. or, or, you know, inequality stuff, but I know I, I, I don't pertain to know the answers, but I know that it's a problem. Yeah. So what would you say... What have you got a real fire in your belly about these days? I mean, I've seen you on stage and you are pumped you know and sometimes oh, look, I am, sometimes I am you look angry and i really think that's it. yeah it's the frustration i think right. it's that, well it's the frustration i i sense that your words tumble out really fast and it's like come on guys come on you can do it yeah and and i think a lot of people it's so there's two things right mm. the first thing is i think that the opportunity of a lifetime has just been gifted to everyone handed to us on a silver platter mm. and someone said hey guys here it is mm. You know that thing you've always wanted? Go for it. Here it is. Yeah. And they're like, what thing? Oh, the thing where you have access to every resource in the world, access to all the world's information as it happens to teach you anything about anything in the entire world for free. Yeah. And you can do it 
here it is, guys, you, you've ever want, where you can tap into the world's best minds thinking the latest things right now and you can directly have that information for free. That's never happened in the history of humanity yeah. right now. And you know what people are doing? They're watching MasterChef. Yes. They're not watching the cryptocurrency channel, are they? Right, right, right. And they're not understanding what blockchain is, which isn't hard to understand. Or they're not in investing an hour in themselves or going to a meetup about 3D printing no. if they're involved in the manufacturing industry to learn a bit about it. I mean, some are, but the large majority are yeah, watching the, MasterChef. I, call, I think you do too. That I call them the one percenters. Yeah, they're the new one percenters. That's right. Yeah, they're the, the learners. One percent who, they're who care. They're happy to unlearn, that's right. needing to relearn. Most just people are just a beginner mindset. But, it's okay. But here's what happens: the same people watching MasterChef are the ones whinging about where their jobs are going to go. Yeah. So it's very hard, isn't it? Because you want to empathise, because you understand that Look, some I of wanna, that stuff. I want to empathise. You know, if you're in a regional yeah, town, yeah. You know, although if you're in a regional town 20 years ago, it was much harder. If you're in a regional town now, if you got a, if you got an internet if connection, if you got internet, yeah. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. You've and got and and here's the thing: is that I can't do people's push-ups for them. Mm. I can tell them about them and I can say, if, if you will if do you these push-ups... If you do push 50 push-ups every day... If you'll just do the 50, it doesn't even take that long. If mm. you will do that, mm. I promise you... Something will you come will, you will You will fly above the clouds mm. to inordinate... And it doesn't take inordinate intelligence. You know what it takes? Just a small amount of effort. If you can read... You've got enough intelligence mm. and collaborator too. That's I think, the point, you know, right? Yeah, it's no, the, but it's but, the freelancers collaborating. It's that freelance ecosystem yeah. where everyone's helping. So each I other just out. feel like so many people have been everyone in the in the in the developed world certainly, and I know that different countries have different challenges. You, we've got all this opportunity here, like just on a platter. Yeah, and so many people are just shrugging their shoulders and doing what they did yesterday. You're not calling Australians passive, are you? Uh, well. <laughs> Steve. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it's what I. I don't want to call Australia or anything because Australia's got of. got twenty three million people in it, and and some of those twenty three million people are having a crack, and some aren't. Yeah. But and huge diversity. Yeah. And 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 so that's my one frustration. But but that's what I'm here to do. My job is to motivate and inspire and say, come with me. I don't know what the future looks like. Mm. I really don't. Mm. But, but share you know that what? But I, prom but I promise you, let's let's go through some long grass here and see what's on the other other side. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. I know that it's not going to be what it is now. That's what I know for sure. I think if people can put it, can can take on board what you're saying about having that one job, with the with start the a side project. Limited, yes. Do something crazy on Saturdays. Go. Mate, just do something, well, make something. Go to something. a couple of meetups. Learn. Go and meet a couple of people. Just Be do something different. I always say these days, I'm becoming uncomfortable. No, I'm I'm becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to. You have to just it's ride the, the beginner, bumps. It's the beginner right. mindset. Yeah, you've got to just ride the bumps. Yeah. It's like when you go to uni. You know why so many people drop out in the first year? It's really different. You go from being spoon-fed yeah. to the lecturer saying, I don't care if you don't turn up. I don't care if you're not at the exam. I don't care I don't if you care. fail. I don't care if you fail. I, I don't care if you paid. turn up. I don't care if you... Well, here's the exam, here's the work, here's the chapters you should read. This is when the assignment's due. There's no questions, there's no interaction, there's no anything. And that's why half of the people in the end of first year uni aren't there anymore. Mm. So it's really uncomfortable. But you know what? I, I When I went to uni, I just rode the bumps. Yeah, okay. You've got to learn to feel uncomfortable in your chest and just forge ahead anyway. That's what we need to do. We lose that skill. when mm. we we're at the Resilience. End of, we lose it. Yeah. And we, and we get too comfortable in a job and in a company and in a... So we've got to, well, we've got to we learn to feel, feel uncomfortable. Just failing a bit yeah, is, is embarrassing. Right. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah, see, Everyone you know does it. You know, but it is it's that social stigma, isn't it? Yeah, social it's like, stigma. who cares if you failed? 
yeah. you know, just get back up, start again. Yeah, I you get more that respect, yeah. yeah. So, so that that's one thing. Another one that really, really hurts me, and I think about, and I again don't know the answer is. I think if there was one thing I could change in the world that I think would have the biggest impact socially and the biggest impact environmentally and economically would be when lobbying get rid of lobbying lobbying oh, is the number one problem in the world crippling parliaments crippling governments well what crippling it does nations. Is it cri- cri- cripples nations i mean lobbying um if there was no such thing then climate change would have started being solved 20 years ago so that's the absolutely first i mean look at i think it was general um, motors i think you yeah. posted something but i was reading about it as well yeah. that you know they had the electric they car had in the 1996 electric yeah they did the ev1 it was incredible yeah and uh they could shredded have been it. they shredded it yeah yeah they uh they could have been way ahead of where they are now with you know ahead of tesla but they opened the door so lobbying has people protection protecting yesterday's industries and yesterday's mindset because they have inordinate power like in america a corporation a corporation is granted the right of free speech did you know that wow so you can be a corporation and legally under their constitution corporations are allowed to have free speech and free speech is allowed to be paid for and so if you lobby as a corporation that's a form of free speech in dollars so oh my God. yeah so that's why you end up with situations where the gun lobby yeah right all of those things and so Tobacco lobbying lobby. lobbying uh keeps yesterday in place at the expense of our education our um, environment. environment our quality of income and all of those things it's a number one problem on it in australia it's a little bit more subtle but it's still there political donations should be outlawed yeah i agree political advertising should be funded by us the taxpayers Equal time, equal presence, and answers to questions. Yeah, or and Not, answers to problems. Yeah, problems and questions. No, they both get proposed the same question and policies, and governments should be legally held to account to implement the policies that they said they would. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm starting to sound like far, a socialist, aren't I? It would be far more <laughs> accountable, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's no accountability. Uh, it's a real problem. And there's a real void of leadership. Mm. Oh. The, I mean, the void of leadership. I was like, going to ask you about what it, what's your... Oh. Musings on Australian leadership at the moment. Absolutely I mean, worldwide pathetic. Worldwide leadership. Worldwide leadership. Well, you know why Donald Trump got in? Is because even though I totally disagree with all of his propositions, at least the one thing he does is what most leaders have done well historically. You know, whether they're horrible people like him and Hitler, and I put him, see how I put him in the same category? Yeah. Um, they actually have a proposition, a single-minded proposition that they stick to, and that's what people gravitate towards. Now, we know that that's true. If you have a, this is where we're going and here is why, people gravitate towards that. Now, here's the problem. The only place you're seeing strong leadership right now is in the alt-right. Imagine if you had strong leadership uh, from someone saying, the future is entrepreneurship, we're going here, we're going to bust down the old industries I'm gonna you know we're gonna create these new industries here we're gonna put all these pieces like come with me we're gonna invest in tech yeah right (laughs) the underinvestment in tech in this country Uh well I think renewable energy is insane it's insane we're still supporting the coal industry because there's no leadership there's no leadership it's disgusting a leader says here's where we're going in five to ten years I'm going there anyway I would rather you vote me out than me change my mind who's coming with me that's what a leader would say yeah Right, but we haven't heard that. We heard Malcolm Turnbull come, you know, he threw out a couple of buzzwords, agile and innovation, and then we haven't seen any of it. All in jobs and growth. It's oh, classic. yeah, and then jobs and growth, which I hate, because jobs and growth, just so you're just going to magically wave a jobs and growth wand and they're going to happen? No, yeah, they're not. Yeah, pretending like they've actually got an idea. Maybe you should come out and say there might not be jobs in the future. Actually, you might be an independent freelancer working for seven companies, but let me show you how that can work and why it'll be better for you. Yeah, that's That leadership. would be interesting. That would be, that's leadership. Yeah. We don't hear that. Yeah, it's appalling. It's, yeah. it's a sad it's, uh, state of It's affairs. a disgrace. 
I was even listening to the news this morning and they were talking about the coal mines and, you know, the reason that we weren't speeding up our investment in renewals was because they were saying we just need to wait for these old coal generating power plants to run their course. No, we don't need Who that. does that? No one Who does, does that. that? I'll tell you now, in five years, fossil fuels will find it very, very hard to compete with renewables because they're having exponential growth in their improvement and their efficiency ratios. Yeah, There's exactly. a whole lot of technological exponentials that are happening Changes of the and, and what will happen is we'll end up going oh yeah well, I, the snowy hydro scheme well, I, don't, I, th- I think that's a really terrible idea it's appalling it's, it's appalling the idea. amount of money it's costing yeah. the australian yeah taxpayer. we'll never get our money back on that i would no. rather that money go into super fast broadband um super fast you know 4g towers and we can build an inf- a digital infrastructure on top of that like i think australia be a great country when we get the internet like yeah. if we actually had the internet in australia <laughs> Can you imagine how cool our country would be? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, exactly. It, it, like, we I don't reckon. have internet, do we? No, we don't have it yet. It's crazy. You and, go to, and, you you go know, to like, Southeast Asia and you think, whoa, I've got 10 tabs open. I can stream yeah, movies. Just, I can do just, everything. It's all, hap- it's all happening. No right? problem. And we don't have it. And everyone thinks, oh, you know, e-commerce is not such a threat. You know why? It's no internet here yet. You wait till you're getting delivery in 20 minutes mm. from Amazon delivered via drone. Yeah. Mate, if you think retail is being hurt here, you haven't seen anything oh, yet. Yeah. You wait till we get real internet here and the expectations of what is possible get changed for consumers. You're going to see, well, I think it's exciting. You'll see new industries pop up, but you're going to see those old ones go away. I promise you, coals, coals and worse are going to get hurt. Even worse and quicker than that is Myron DJs. They won't exist. Mate, yeah, they will I be gone in five that. years. Well, mate, did you gone. hear about the model? I mean, I think his model is that he said you can purchase online have the garments sent to you, say clothes. You yeah, can right. have a couple of outfits sent to you. You don't have to purchase anything. Yeah, yeah. They, they send them you in a trunk now. You put on a like it, send these like ones it, back. send it back, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, that's, my that's God, very sticky. Very sticky. Yeah, I like that word too in internet, sticky. It's a good old schooler. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's a cracker. It's a cracker. But I'll tell you now, we're going to see some really radical change. I see, I think it's exciting. Yeah, me too. People, I mean, you've got a generative people, mindset, people, haven't people you? People don't understand. It's like if one thing appears and puts something else out of place well that's fine you just gravitate towards a new thing yeah work out what, so yeah business is t- like fashion where the tide is business is like fashion if you want a piece of advice on what business is like think of it like fashion with clothes mm. if you want to be future proof and when you see people wearing something new put on some new clothes yeah follow the trend don't be a dag mate don't be wearing bell-bottom trousers in you know 1993 you gotta you gotta follow the trend yeah right and and Only business is like fashion once you've become an entrepreneur that's right once you've reached you can wear <laughs> you what can you want you, you want. can wear what you want i have a uniform i have a uniform yes <laughs> so listen looking back on your life have you ever had a lightning bolt moment of clarity that was life-changing or an aha moment oh have i i don't um, know I'm asking because I figure you've done you've you you are a man of many talents. You've done a range of different things. What 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 would you think? Has yeah, been actually, I have moments? got I have got one. I have got one. One thing that um, I was listening to this interview on YouTube. Like this was maybe about ten years ago, and it was this old guy called Bob Proctor. He's a bit of a weirdo, right? Yeah. And he's he's a bit of a weirdo because some of the stuff he says is a bit. I'll take that one with a grain of salt. But every now and again, he has this little. Gems. piece of gem in there right he's an old weirdo he's like 
um, he's a business coach from the 50s or 60s, you know, one of those early business coaches. Mm. When in the old days, there was no such thing you could buy a tape and get it sent in mail order. This was like pre-podcast, pre-internet, pre-whatever. And I happened upon some of his old tapes on YouTube. You know how people put up retro stuff on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. That can be some of the most interesting stuff. Absolutely. Historical stuff on YouTube blows my it's mind. Fascinating. Right? Fascinating. So this guy said, he said that everyone has a 5 or 10% thing that they do in their job that they just naturally excel at. They excel at that at that thing. It might be you're the good person who can organise everyone in the office to get there for someone's cake or birthday. Now that sounds like the a crazy planner. example. You could be the social planner. Or you could be the person who's just great with the spreadsheet, who puts together all the numbers of the different divisions and just makes it sing. Yeah. Or you're the person who knows how to um, pull together that, that presentation really well, that it just makes sense and it flows in the right order. Or you're the person who can convince a new customer to come on board with it. That one thing that you do, but you don't do it all the time. You only so do it like every now and again. To 10% of your time. Of your task. That, that task that you excel at, that one particular task, you need to find a way to make that the only thing you do full time. Oh, that's smart. If you do that, you triple mm. your income. So it's what you're good at. It's not necessarily what you're passionate about. Yeah, don't confuse passion and ability. Because mm. here's what I found out. If you go where you've got a natural ability, it's, it's easy to enjoy. Yeah. If you go where you're passionate about something, right, you might not have that natural ability for it. I love surfing, mm. right, but I'm not the greatest surfer in the world, mm. so I just leave it for the weekends, yeah. right, you know what I mean? Yeah, There's yeah. certain things I'm passionate about and I love, but I'm just not good enough at them. Yeah. You have to have the sentience of mind to know, and I believe everyone can be a genius at something. I really do, deep yeah, down in my heart. Kind of We've all got, yeah, well, actually, there is, there is some... Um, anthropological evidence that says that unless one of your forefathers was a genius at something then you wouldn't actually be alive today you would have you wouldn't you would have been cold in the herd yeah so you have a genius skill in something um i always gave good voice yeah right from grade three i used to get i used to get in trouble for talking out of turn in school and on many of my school reports, it said Stephen's voice will get him in a lot of trouble or make him a lot of money. We're not sure which yet. That's oh, what it would say really? on my reports. Classic. And so I was um, always chosen when there was time for someone to say a few words about something. Steve, get up and say a few words about this. Oh, Steve, we're pitching here. Can you do the talk? And I didn't even realise. Oh, Steve, take our new employee, show him around the office and talk to them. Yeah, because you were clearly a good communicator. So then, you know, one day I was, I was doing... Um, so what I'm doing now, um, I do a lot of keynote speeches. Yeah. And, and so even when I was in my last corporate gig, which is in an ad agency, I really excelled in the pitching process. Yeah, okay. And then um, I used to get wheeled out to talk about the digital world and tech and all of that. Mm. And they'd say, Steve, can you go and talk to this client here? Or Steve, can you order it? You know what? And I thought, I'm just going to see if I can do that for a living. Just that. I was doing that 10% of the time. And did you start that as a side project while you were still working? Well, or did you go... I'm just going to take a risk. Oh, I, I, I'd already had validation because I got paid a couple of times when I was working on the side to do a speaking gig here uh, and there. Okay. And a couple of people said to me, oh, Steve, we've got a conference. How much do you charge? I went, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. And, um, and so, and I'd already done a lot of speaking with my startups. It was an aha moment, right? And I'd already done a number of speaking engagements with startups over 10 or 15 years and then these community events that we spoke of i would yeah. go to community startup events and whatever and yeah. we'd get someone up to talk about what's happening here or what they're doing or share their startup idea and i kind of learnt my craft doing it 
part-time instead of watching MasterChef I'd be out there learning speaking doing I'd always put my hand up because I enjoyed doing it and then one day I went I'm going to see if I can make a living out of this yeah mate and seriously and it's just gone crazy so it's that because it's that 5% thing yeah so you've got to throw out the 90% of stuff that you do in job fine and everyone listening has that one thing that they smash yeah I would agree with that they have one thing that they just smash you've got to work out a way to only do that Mm. If you will find that way, you will triple your income because people will pay you more for that skill. And if you're scared, then it's about just doing it on the side. Start on the side. Start side on the projects. Side, yeah. side projects. Side projects. And side projects. And all the projects. time you're thinking, hold on, I'm mitigating risk. I'm basically yep. making sure that it's, so, I'm not putting every, all my eggs in one so basket. So here's, here's an interesting employer. insight. If you are working in a company right now, you probably get two hours work done a day. Mm. That's max. That's being generous. It's maybe even one. So if you work one hour a night on yourself, mm. you've invented a whole work week. Yeah, and you're starting to start that pipeline that's, no, that's, of inventing that's a whole money. Work, that's a whole work week. Yeah. Just one hour a night. Mm. That's inordinate. That's unbelievable power. And very doable. Very doable. Even if you're a single parent, it's doable. Yeah, yep. and no matter what industry you're working in right now, technology is impacted in some way. Mm. Go and doesn't matter. Uh, how technology is impacting accounting? Boom, go look that. How technology is impacting clothing industry? Go look that up. Mm. Mate, you can become a five-minute expert these days mm. because it's all the information's there. Free. If you invested three months every night spending an hour on your industry and how technology is impacting it, mm. you will know more than 99% of people who work in your industry. Because they're too busy. Watching MasterChef. Watching MasterChef That's and right. Survivor. Exactly. And, and American Ninja, Australian Ninja, <laughs> whatever it is. So, talking about what people can do every day, what daily habit do you have oh, that you feel is okay, a so my first, Okay, so my life? first daily habit I have is sleeping in every day, all right? And here's what I want to read in nice. Business Insider one day is, because I'm sick of reading what billionaires do before 5 a.m. Yeah. If they're a billionaire, <laughs> here's what they should be doing. They should be sleeping and enjoying it and cuddling in their bed. <laughs> All right, so let me just tell everyone that now. Yeah, I They've agree. got this shit inside out, I right? I sleeping too. Dude, sleeping in is rad. I come up with my best ideas when I sleep in. Yeah, because your brain works. I get up at 10 a.m. and then I cruise down and get a coffee and I work the hours I want. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm working 9 to 5. That was invented because we didn't have electricity. Did you know that? Yeah, right. That was when the sun shone in the Sunshine, window in the factory. The lit hours. Yes. We've got electricity now, so I don't even know why nine to five exists. It's crazy. Well, they try so and I sleep in. Up, I sleep in. Uh, I I don't always in. sleep in when I feel like it. I do. Like you today, value, you value. Today what I got up a quarter means. to nine. Nice. I was meeting you at nine thirty. I got up a quarter to nine. That was cool. Went and got a coffee. You came here. I wasn't home. Well, You're looking for me. I thought I'd have t- I turned up at the wrong house. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. And then uh, now, nah, one thing that I actually so that that was like a reality bit that I gave you there. That's a life changer. Like a like a being human, being real. That was that bit. Now I'll give you an efficiency bit. So we can, depending on the listeners, if they're efficiency hackers yeah, or if yeah. they're lifestyle hackers, I'll give you one each. A lot one of productivity each. hackers out there. All right, so my productivity hack, the number one thing I find that, that makes a big difference is when I plan the night before what I need to do the next day. Yeah, okay. If I just literally write down the tasks I need to do that day. Like your to-do am, list. I am always way more efficient that day, the next day. Always, always. And that's an old Brian Tracy hack. Yeah, who's, okay. um, You know, Brian Tracy is an old... He's an old business coach too, 50s, 60s business coach. I'm really into those retro guys. Yeah, yeah. Because you know why? There's a lot of purity in what they say. There's less Silicon Valley bubble talk. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, the language is basic as well. Yeah, exactly. So he always says if you plan the night before, you're always more efficient the next day. You know why? Because 
your subconscious mind is so powerful and it's working on ways to solve those problems and before you assess them. That's really interesting. And part of that, the flip side of that is I think if you plan for the following day, you're less anxious. Yeah, too. It gets it off out of your head it's, and onto the paper. You go, yeah, it's there. I know what there. I'm doing. I've got my to-do list. Yeah, and you actually hit the ground running instead of going, what have I got to do again? You've, you've already, you, 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 yeah, you zip out onto the highway straight away rather than fighting, you know, mind traffic. Mm-mm. Okay, so listen, what, what would be one thing for the listeners today that they could do to take a progressive step? We've talked a little bit just now mm. about what they could do. So what's one thing that they could do today listening okay. to this that would be future-proofing themselves? Okay, start a side project. Okay. Start a side project. That might be learn about blockchain. It might be... Um, read one book a month. It might be run an event. Yeah. It could be have a garage sale. Yeah. It could be build my first website. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Start a side project. Or action something. Do it. So I think yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've got well to do it. Do to it. have the mindset do. Do. that if you, do. yeah, you've got to do. Yeah, so do. do something. A side project has to have an outcome. I'm going to build this or do this and have it finished by this time. Mm. Try, try and make it less than a month. Okay. It's good if you can do it on a weekend. A side project, I'm going to start on Friday and have it finished by Sunday. Clean your garage out. Clean it out. Mm. Sell some shit on eBay. Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of it. Do something. Start that's, that's a side project. Because you know All why? those assets you don't need. Yeah. They're so, not assets. Yeah, They're liabilities, they are. aren't they? And so it opens up your, your, your feel good because you've achieved something. So do that. And here's the other one I'm going to give everyone. Spend less than you earn. Yeah. Know how much you bring in each week. And make sure you're spending less than that mm. and get excited by it. Because if you cannot save, the seeds of greatness are not inside you. Yeah, okay. That's a great that's a great kicker. Because there's a lot of people out there who probably earn money, but the cost of living is pretty high here. And, uh, here's what no, well, here's what people do. I actually kind of don't agree with that. Mm. I mean doing a project at the moment where I'm gonna look at the history of prices and incomes over the last fifty years. Well a lot of things are cheaper, I would agree with that. Like mate, the only thing I can think of that's more expensive is housing. I yeah. cannot think of one thing that's more expensive. But that factor is a lot more expensive. And at the ratio of earnings. Yeah, you know, well, the ratio against earnings I think is Yeah, I'm not sure I mean I'm not sure. Well, you're about to study it, so you can come yeah. and talk to me about I w- it. I w- I'm really not that sure if like for like, what you get, because house prices aren't house prices. What we really need to study is and what's inside the house and how big is it and how close is it to the city because I think that those things are what's pushing up the house prices. You've either got a big house out in the suburbs which is double story and seven bedrooms, which none of us had growing up. We had two and three bedrooms. I shared a bedroom my whole life. Yeah. Or none of us lived close to the city. Oh, now I want to live close to the city. Okay, well, we're confusing wants and needs mm. is what I think. No, I don't, yeah. I don't think we're confusing it. I think there's a there's a lot of uh, face involved in people <laughs> accumulating. Oh, people, people want to accumulate, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so saying so, that, what yes. advice would you give your 20-year-old self? <laughs> if you think back on who you were at 20 oh, really I mean I, I don't want to be but I'm going to say it I'm going to say this I'm going to get in trouble for this um, not to have that first marriage <laughs> didn't work out <laughs> 
Well, that was brutally honest. It was, wasn't it? it so didn't it work took out. a few Look, years away from you, I take it. Did, it did. It was actually, I had a bit of a rough time. And, and, and this is no disrespect to the other person. It was just one of those things that didn't work out. Yeah. And um, it wasn't good for either of us. So if I could give myself that piece of advice. You know what? It's being more level-headed when you're choosing a partner. Yeah. Um, actually, no, no. More, uh, more heart and less level head. Oh, okay. So you went with your head, did you? Yeah, it was like, oh, you know, it's it makes seemed sense. like it makes sense. It was all that. There was just it was, there was no. My heart knew it wasn't right, and it just wasn't, and it shouldn't have been. It was a habit, and all Gotta of that follow stuff. Follow your heart. Heart, baby. It's the opposite of what you expect. Follow the heart. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mate, the heart knows more than the head. The head's stupid. The head knows nothing. The mm. heart knows everything. It's the fire in your belly, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the one thing. But having said that, maybe those problems lead to some good things that have happened later on in my life. So you know how it is. It's yeah. sliding door stuff, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's the one piece of advice. Now, and, and if I can give make that have some breath, the 20-year-old self, is um, you know what? The relationships in your life are really, really important, right? We talked a lot about economics in this podcast, but here's the thing that I know for sure. The people you spend your days with mm. and hang out with are what creates happiness. It's not the zeros in your bank account or any of that stuff. Mm. So... Um, if Nurture you work, if you work for a jerk, quit straight away, right? Yeah. If you're unhappy, if your friends aren't treating you with respect, get some new ones. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Remember that your family and those that you love and those who've looked after you, they're the friends. Don't hang out with the cool people. Hang out with the people who treat you cool. Yeah. People that nurture you. Yeah. Relationships really matter. Love that, Steve. So that's a wrap. Love it. How good is this? It is. It's been a pleasure, and I hope to get we'll get you on people my dog would like when you finish your new piece of study that'd be yes, great yes maybe next year i don't yep. know how long what the timeline is there and yeah. see what incredible strides forward as well we are making so i hope you can come back i sure will fantastic thanks so much cheers